The title of my message this morning is A Small Start. And we're in a series called The Power of Small, How Little Things Can Make a Big Difference. Each week, one of the pastors has talked about some small thing that can have a big impact. Well, I reached out online this week and asked people to give me examples of things that start small, but end up a big deal. And I was blown away by the number of responses. Within a few hours, I had well over 100 replies, and some of them were very, very creative. So the question was simply this. What are some things that start small, but make a big impact? And here are some of their answers. A pebble thrown in a pond with the ripples that come out. A bug in some computer code. That can make a really big difference. A splinter. Hate those. A smile. Love those. An unkind word. A rumor. An infection. An acorn that grows into a big tree. Compound interest that grows over time. Salt. A water leak. I unfortunately do know all about those, and they may seem small, but they can cause big problems. Gossip. A spark that starts a big fire. A puppy starts out small, has a big impact. A baby, same kind of thing, bigger scale. An act of kindness. Faith. And my personal favorite that starts out small, but makes a big difference, glitter art projects. Have you ever seen Mark Rober's glitter art project on YouTube uh, where he tries to catch porch thieves and cover them with glitter? It's pretty amazing. That stuff, you just can't get it out. You can't clean it up no matter what you do. There's always, you find more glitter years later. Well, little things like glitter and splinters and pebbles and a smile can make a big impact. Events that touch thousands of people or change the world can often be traced back to some very small decisions. Less than a year ago, most of us didn't know what a coronavirus was or that they could jump from animals to people or that certain decisions made by a few people on the other side of the world could lead to a global pandemic. But here we are. Things that start small can make a huge difference over time. And today I want to take you to Matthew 9 to see something small, a small start that ended up having a global impact. But this isn't just something from, from history. This isn't some cool old story with a moral lesson. This is something that has ultimately impacted you and me. You can trace back from today, back to this moment we're going to talk about and the impact that it had on the world and still has. It's also something that's going to give us guidance that maybe we've forgotten because a lot of us need a small restart. So go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 9. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. I love reading this Bible because it's very faithful to the original meaning of the text, but it's also easy to read and understand. And you can follow along in your Bible or use Bible.com or the YouVersion Bible app, which is what I use every day. But before we read this, let's just pause and ask the author for his insight. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what it teaches us. And God, I pray that you would teach us today. Help us to understand what we're going to read and help us to apply it to our lives. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just speak to us individually beyond the words that I say. Help us, each and every one of us, understand what you want us to do and how you want us to live and how you want us to respond and how you want us to think about you and relate to you because of what we read in your word. So God, we pray for your insight. 
We pray for your discernment to know and understand your word and to apply it well. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's go ahead and read. In Matthew 9, verse 35 is where we're gonna start. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now, Matthew starts this section here with a summary of what Jesus was doing before, going into all the towns and villages of that area. The area that he's talking about there is the Galilee region in Israel, where all these towns and villages surround the Sea of Galilee. This was where most of Jesus' ministry happened. It's a a beautiful, picturesque place. Little Jewish towns dotted one side of the lake. Gentile communities in the city of Hippos on the hill were on the other side. And Matthew says that Jesus went all over this area teaching and healing people. He was helping them physically and spiritually, but he was doing something more. See, the Jesus we tend to think about was always serving, always helping and healing. He he went all over the place as an itinerant missionary with his band of followers in tow, but that's not the whole story. See, Jesus was preparing for something much bigger. This was actually a very small start compared to what he had in mind. You get a preview of it back in Matthew chapter 5. See, back in Matthew 5, Jesus is teaching his followers really, really early on. It's the first teaching we have from him to his followers. He's on a hillside near the Sea of Galilee. And and most of his teaching here is about how God wants them to live and treat other people. But he also says this, you are the salt of the earth. And he says, you are the light of the of the world. Now, I don't know about you, but I love salt. It adds a lot of flavor to food and I really love food. It's also a good preservative for food. So salt adds value to food when it is added. And Jesus also says that his followers are the light of the world. We put lights in very high places in the room, hang them from the ceiling so that everyone can see. So salt adds value and light is very visible and and adds value when it's in the room. And just imagine with me for a minute what the followers were thinking when they heard this. I know what I would have thought. I'm not the light, Jesus. You're the light. I'm not the salt that makes everything better. You're the salt. I'm just here to listen and follow your lead. You lead the way and I'm going to follow. I mean, it's not like most of these were very well-respected people. You're talking about fishermen, tax collectors, terrorist zealots like Simon, most of Jesus' early followers were not voted most likely to succeed. So them, salt and light, what are they gonna do? I wonder if you've ever felt that way, like you're too small or insignificant to make a difference. Maybe you see people who are hurting in the world and you think, what can I possibly do about that? Maybe you see people who have been mistreated or cheated, and you think, man, I wish someone would do something to help them. Maybe you see people around you who are distracted by all sorts of vices and poor choices and wish you could do something about it, but you're only one person, nothing overly special about you. What could you do? You're not Jesus. I'm pretty sure 
That's what Jesus' followers were thinking as they traveled around Galilee watching Jesus help people. It's a good thing he's around. He's special. He can do things I can't. And Jesus does some amazing things for sure. After that teaching time on the hillside, a man with leprosy comes up to him. Everyone else would have just stayed far away from him. He has got leprosy, but not Jesus. He heals the man. Then a Roman military official called a centurion comes to Jesus and asks for healing for his young servant who is paralyzed and in pain. And, and this is a Gentile, not a Jewish person. They don't generally associate really well, but Jesus heals the man's young servant. Then Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law who had a fever. And then he goes on healing more people and casting out more demons. And Jesus' followers are watching all of this in amazement. It's like every hour, Jesus is doing something incredible right in front of them. But they're supposed to be salt and light? Come on. And clearly Jesus is the salt and light. And so this brings us back to our text. Matthew 9 Verse 35, where we started, is a special verse in the structure of this book. This is worth knowing. It's part of something called an inclusio. This is a, a section of the Bible that's set apart by the same type of phrase at the beginning and at the end. See, these books and letters in the Bible didn't originally have chapter and verse numbers. The structure that was there was in the words themselves. So Matthew 9.35 is the bookend of an inclusio all about Jesus' teaching and ministry in the Galilee area. The first bookend is Matthew 4.23, which says Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. So then after spending several chapters telling us what Jesus taught and what Jesus did, Matthew ends the section in 9.35 by saying, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. So you see it's bookends of this passage called an inclusio. And I would understand if you think, well, why, why could this possibly be important? But it's important because of what comes next. In verse 36, we read, when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So the connection that you need to make here is that this isn't necessarily one incident when Jesus saw a crowd and made this comment to the disciples. See, Matthew just gave that inclusio about Jesus traveling ministry, that little section with him teaching and ministering and, and seeing the crowds in different places. And so what he's describing now is probably something that happened multiple times. Whenever Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He saw that they were confused and that they had no spiritual leaders. And so he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now this must have been an interesting request to hear from Jesus. Pray that God sends more people to help them like I'm helping them. It's almost like he's saying, I'm not enough, guys. There's so much more to be done here and I'm not going to get to it all. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wait a minute, you're Jesus. You're the guy. Why would there need to be anything more? But Jesus says more workers are needed. And so here's what I think probably happened. I think 
Each time a crowd would gather, Jesus probably made some comment like this to his crew. When he saw the crowds, he would say, look at all these people. They're so lost. Pray that God sends more people to help them, more workers to help them. And the disciples, being obedient to the person they were following, probably stopped and prayed each time, Father in heaven, please send more workers to help and shepherd these people. I don't know how many times that happened, but Matthew said it happened when he saw the crowds as he was traveling around Galilee. And so the disciples probably multiple times are praying throughout this, like Jesus told them to, Father, send more workers like Jesus. But Jesus knows something they don't know yet. They're the workers. The thing they have been praying for is the thing that God wants them to work on. We see this in Matthew chapter 10. It's right after this passage. You just advance. And remember, there were no chapter divisions originally in this book. So the very next passage, the very next verse, right after they've been traveling around, seeing the crowds, praying for workers to go out and teach more people like Jesus, then we read this. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness, just like Jesus was doing. And then he said, go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy and cast out demons, give as freely as you have received. And then a few verses later, he says this, if any household or town refuses to welcome you or get this, listen to your message. Shake its dust from your feet as you leave. See, the good things they were supposed to do, healing people and casting out demons, all of that Jesus was empowering them to do, not because that was the main point of why they were going. The main point was their message about Jesus. And so he says later, you will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the time. And then he says, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my father in heaven. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Anyone who receives you receives me and anyone who receives me, that's Jesus, receives the father who sent me. Now, do you see the connection here? The connection that goes all the way back to the first teaching of Jesus' followers back in Matthew chapter five. Do you see what Jesus has been doing all along? At the beginning of his ministry, he teaches them, you are salt, you are light. And then he goes around with them, modeling what he will soon tell them to go and do. And he tells them, pray for more workers to go out and lead people to God. And the disciples hear that and they watch what he's doing and they learn and they pray. And then Jesus says to them, it's time. You are those workers. You see, God's plan was not for Jesus to reach everyone himself in person with the good news. God's plan was for Jesus to start a movement that would reach the world through the work of people like you and me. Like a, a pebble tossed in a pond with ripples that reach out to the edges like compound interest that grows exponentially over time, like a light bulb that gives light to an entire room. The mission of Jesus was to equip a small group of followers to become leaders who would tell people about Jesus so those people could tell people about Jesus and on and on until people from every nation around the world had heard the good news about Jesus. 
and trusted in him. And, and you might say, rightfully so, that doesn't sound like it makes a lot of sense. Why wouldn't Jesus just do it himself? He's obviously way better at it. And I think the answer has to do with God's glory. Now, if you're a parent, you know the satisfaction of seeing your children do something that you taught them to do. Or even better, something they just learned from watching you. And maybe they don't do it as well as you, but you still get more joy out of them doing it because they learned it from you than if you were to do it. Now, they're doing it for you because they love you and you love that. Paul grappled with this idea that God's plan to use people to spread the good news wasn't the most efficient or intelligent way. And here's what he said about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He said, since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. Here's the thing, here's what God does. God chose to use the foolishness of humans spreading his good news as his method to make a big impact. He chose to use things that the world despises and often counts as nothing. And listen, you may feel insignificant. You may feel like you don't have much to offer. You may feel like you don't know where to start. But what if that's exactly what God is looking for? What if God gets more glory by sending workers that to us may seem like the wrong kind of people? What if God wants to do amazing things through someone that you've written off for some reason? What if God wants to do big things through you, even though inside you may feel like you don't have much to offer? See, the Bible says that this is exactly how God works to spread his good news. The good news about Jesus wasn't supposed to end with you. Part of your purpose here is to pass it on. One of the last things Jesus told his disciples before he left in person was this, therefore, go and make disciples or followers, followers of me of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples. This is so important. You've got to get this. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, if you've been around here for a couple of years, you probably know what I'm about to say. This command is self-replicating. It's a cycle. It's meant to repeat and repeat and repeat. Jesus is saying, go and tell people about me so they will become followers of me as well and teach them to do everything I taught you. And what was one of the big things he taught them to do? Go and tell people about Jesus. The tragic reality is that too many followers of Jesus have abandoned this aspect of being a follower of Jesus. Maybe it's because we're uncomfortable talking about our faith. Maybe it's because we don't feel equipped enough or ready enough. But see, that's the whole point. God's strength is best revealed in our weakness. When Jesus is teaching throughout Galilee, he says this is a small start compared to what is needed. 
more workers are needed. When Jesus sends out his followers to share his message with more people, even that was a small start compared to what God would do over the next 2,000 years. And now this message and responsibility has been passed on to you and me. And maybe you're ready to get serious about sharing Jesus with others, but you're just not sure where to start. Well, Jesus actually gives us a model for that. If you follow the example of Jesus, you're going to start making a difference in the world in his name. So the first thing we see is that Jesus saw the crowds. That means he put himself in places where he could see people who were lost and hurting. They needed physical assistance and spiritual assistance. And too often we lead insulated lives and we don't get out and interact with people outside of our bubble. We spend most of our time with people who think like us and talk like us. But Jesus engaged with very different people. That put him in situations where he could connect with people who needed his ministry. If you want to follow Jesus, look for ways that you can step outside of your comfort zone. Get to know people who are different from you. Look for ways that you can serve them and show you care. The second thing we see from Jesus is that he had compassion on people after he saw them. And I think there's a connection here that we need to take very seriously. When we get out of our comfort zone and spend time with people who are very different from us, people who have physical and spiritual needs, that helps us develop empathy and compassion for them. Now, I've seen this over and over. People who get involved in some kind of outreach ministry or go on a mission trip for the first time, they have their eyes opened to the needs of, of some particular group of people and it becomes a passion for them to help that group because of what they saw. Seeing is so important. To gain compassion for people, you need to see them. So find ways that you or your whole family can get involved in spending time with or serving people who aren't part of your tribe to develop compassion for people and grow the passion that's needed to keep helping them. And the third thing that we see from Jesus is that his compassion was based on how misguided those people were. He said they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. The shepherd is often used in the Bible to represent a leader. The shepherd leads the sheep, sometimes where the sheep don't want to go or, or don't know they need to go. Sheep generally don't know what's unsafe or, or safe about where they're going. They, they don't know where the best food is. So the shepherd guides them there. And what Jesus saw when he spent time with people was that they needed the guidance of a shepherd or they would be confused and helpless. They had the wrong ideas about what God wanted from them. They had been misled into thinking that God was impressed by sacrifices and rituals instead of a pure heart and devotion to God. They saw their relationship with God as one of condemnation and guilt, not grace and love. When you get to know people who have physical or psychological or spiritual needs or all of those, and you spend time with them, what you'll find is that deep down inside, there is a sense of longing for purpose. There's a longing for guidance and direction in life, something to believe in and follow. So when we serve people, it's not just about helping them in a material way which Jesus did, and, and we should too. But it's also to introduce them to Jesus, who can give them the purpose and direction and guidance they need, who can be their shepherd. Jesus starts small, but the impact is huge, and it keeps on going today. 
What's your small start going to be? What's the little thing you can do this week to go out as one of Jesus' workers? How will you do good in Jesus' name so you can introduce people to Jesus? Now, maybe you already have a good idea and you just need to get started. Maybe the Holy Spirit has already made this very clear to you and you've been resisting. Or maybe you have no idea and you need to do exactly what Jesus said, which is to pray. Pray like this. Pray, God, please send workers out to make a difference in these things that I'm seeing. Maybe it's things you're seeing online, things you're seeing on TV, things you see in your neighborhood, in your community. Just start to pray. Do exactly what Jesus said. God, would you please send workers to help these people? And then pray this as well. God, please send me and show me how you want me to do it. Show me where you want me to go. Don't be overly worried about knowing all the right things to say. You can pray about that too. Just as Jesus told his followers, hey, don't worry about what to say. God will give you the words. Pray and say, God, would you give me the words to say? Would you help me to know what needs to be communicated here? See, I believe when you pray prayers like that, God's going to answer. It's in line with his will. And so he's going to answer. Be patient. It might take a little bit to see where it's going. You might have to try a few different things to see what really makes the most sense and where he's leading you. But get ready. Because if you really want God to make you one of his workers, he's going to have some things for you to do. You just have to be willing to start small and trust God with the impact. Before we close, I just want to share a couple things with you. One is that you may be watching this and thinking to yourself, well, I can't go tell people about Jesus. I'm not even sure if I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm listening to this and I'm interested and I'm learning some things, but um, I don't know if I can fully put my trust in Jesus because I've got some questions. And that's usually what we find, that people who have not trusted in Jesus, there, there are some things they need to talk through. There are some answers that would be helpful to them. And we want you to know we're here for you. If that's you and you're in that situation and you want to know more about what it means to trust in Jesus, to understand that he died for your sins and what it means to believe in him and to have a relationship with him and how that can change your life, then I would encourage you to let us know by just sending us an email at pastoreddiefree.org. And we will be happy to connect you with someone who can answer your questions and talk with you about what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus, to be his follower. But the other thing I wanna share with you is that next week we're going to have a panel discussion about some practical things that you can do to step out and be a worker. So be sure to join us next week, either online or in person for a panel discussion that's gonna wrap up this whole series on the power of small. Let me pray for us as we close. Lord, thank you for this time we've had together to study your word, to, to remember some of the things that you have done and told us to do that maybe we've forgotten. Lord, help us to be those workers that you want us to be. Help us to learn from you and to go and do the things that, that bring you joy and make you smile and bring you glory. Lord, I pray that you would teach us and show us the areas, the unique areas, maybe different areas for each one of us that you have established for us to go and represent you and make a difference in the world and point people to you. Lord, I pray that you would give us the boldness to do that this week. Thank you for everyone who is watching this right now, Lord. And I just pray that you would teach them and help them to grow so that they can in turn help other people to grow. Help us to be part of that cycle that just repeats as we make more followers of you and show more people what life with you is all about. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.